This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider, Episode 8. And joining us back from vacation is Steve Lorenz. And coming back at a at a time where we think there's going to be some... Pretty good news. Always good news when we hear feedback. We see feedback from you, our listeners. Uh, be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to rate and review it. That's how you help make it go, how you help make it grow. So iTunes, wherever you go to find this podcast, make sure you subscribe, you rate, you review it. Love those five-star ratings. That's how we keep this thing moving. Uh, but Steve Lorenz back with Bryce Marich and I. Steve, uh, how was your vacation, man? That was good. I, you know, it's like I said before we got on, you know, it sounds like a lot of good things happened for Michigan on the recruiting trail. And I'm more than willing to extend the vacation <laughs> uh, if that means that good things will continue to happen for uh, for us in, in covering and, and for the program, uh, you know, so that helps us out. But uh, I'm back either way. So if things start going south, uh, don't blame me. I had to come back. So well, the the ladies are. I hate to I hate to say this, Steve, but I think they might be a little disappointed because last week Bryce, you know, he the melodic tones of Bryce marriage were revealed on these podcast airwaves. So uh, Bryce, not as much room for you to you get the singing in, man. I, I apologize for that. It's okay, you know. Sometimes you got to get a little taste to come back. So that's all oh it takes, you know. God. <laughs> yeah, for those that don't know, I didn't know you were a KC and JoJo fan. I mean, you, you know a little Jodeci over there, Bryce? Uh, are you asking for something? I'm or? just, I mean, I just, I was surprised to to see you reference. You know, you go to the to the KC grab bag. You don't seem like a ooh yeah kind of guy. Yeah, hey, you know, I got a lot of things I know that a lot of people don't know. So, you know, all my life, oh my I pray God. for someone like you. That's it. That's it. I mean, I got more, but that's it for now. So the world has completely changed since I left. I don't know what the hell you happened. Know what? But, I, yeah. I admit, I admit that this is, you know, it, this is for maybe the entertainment of one. You know, I, I get a kick. I get a kick. <laughs> you know, Bryce, Bryce definitely, you know, I look forward to these podcasts because I like giving my guys like talking to recruit, but my man, my man Bryce makes me laugh. So. Uh, you know, if it's if it's just the audience of what I apologize, but I dig uh, I dig Bryce kind of passing out the little advice to the to the fellas when the ladies uh, come around. Anyway, uh, Steve, you sort of alluded to this, but while you were out, a prospect that we've spent a lot of time with, we've had seven podcasts up to this point, and I think half of them we've talked about Savior Worthy, but he's that good though. He he deserves that kind of attention because you know, people might look at the ranking, Steve, and you've made this point so many times on this fledgling podcast of ours, but he is underrated. And he was criminally underrated for, for some time. Now at least he's in the top 100. But the thing is, he's probably still not where he's going to be when all thing, when it's all said and done. No, I mean, the last time I said it, I actually just hit the tape recorder and left the room for a few minutes to let it play because <laughs> I've said it so many times. Um, and yeah, no. It, it, again, you got to look at the way that our guys have said they evaluate top prospects, right? I've said it a few times now. He reminds me of Jerry Judy. You know, I, is he that good? I don't know. I mean, Jerry Judy was just a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Either way, I, I think he's a top 50 you know, borderline five-star-ish kind of kid. Really, I mean, I don't know if you guys would agree, best receiver just from an athletic standpoint they've recruited since Donovan at least. Um, you know, and a kid that, as we said, when the Oregon thing, when he delayed things, with you know, things were trending towards the Ducks, the second he delayed, we were all in strong agreement 
that this is great news for Michigan because none of the four SEC programs that he had mentioned or had left in his, or had put in his top six, you know, all was quiet. Maybe a little bit of noise with Alabama, but there are other guys that Alabama's trending for right now at receiver. They've already got a, I think they got three verbals, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, at receiver, mm-hmm. uh, trending for another guy as well. So, you know, you you figured with things with Oregon went south a little bit. You figured it was trending to Michigan. I go on vacation as the final step <laughs> in this process. Uh, and I come back and check things yesterday, which I did not check because I've been I've done a good job of not checking. I come back and check and the crystal ball is I believe is it at 100 now? I, I believe it might be. If not, uh, it's somebody who hasn't updated their pick yet because it looks like things are heavily trending towards the maize and blue now for you know what top three or four overall target yeah in the oh, class no for question. them right there's, so. there's there's no question it's been evident at least to me for some time now that this kid is the t- at the top of their receiver board now this is just my perception from the outside looking in but you can tell you can glean some things from the the amount of contact the the intensity of pursuit and i just don't i haven't seen a receiver that they have recruited harder uh, and you could see it from the moment they offered him this spring. It was like, man, this guy. And it made me, I mean, it was so persistent. Like, Let me go watch this guy's tape. And then you see it. And I told the story before. He reminds me of Deshaun Jackson. That's who they compare him to in the scouting report. He has that Deshaun Jackson kind of speed. I feel like this is maybe this is maybe some karmic justice for Michigan, who had had a silent commitment from Deshaun Jackson. But here you had Ryan English, who was a fledgling. He was a new coach on the staff. And, you know, the veteran coach on the staff, Freddie J, he had a commitment from Leterio Savoy, who was a, and they liked their big body receivers, right? So you had your big body receiver from, from down south. And, and Ryan couldn't get Deshaun Jackson across the finish line uh, in the recruiting class. And so you hope that this is just the karmic justice coming back around to give Michigan maybe a makeup for losing out on Deshaun Jackson back at that time. But I, I tweeted about this a few days ago. If Michigan lands this kid, my crystal ball says they will. Uh, he is going to be announcing his decision July 10th. And he just, he slid that in casually. So the, the, the basis for my call was like, hey, Xavier, let's talk about Giles Jackson's recruiting impact. He said, sure, let's talk about it. So he talked about how he and Giles have just started clicking during the recruiting process, they don't even talk recruiting, and that's they don't talk football. That's one of the reasons why they really connected so much. Then we start talking about uh, Josh Gaddis and his connection with Gaddis and how he would be used a lot like Giles. And then he just dropped in, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm going to be announcing my decision on the 10th. It's like, wait, wait, wait a minute, man. That's not, that's not just a casual slide in. What's behind it? He went on to talk a little bit more, and then he said, yeah, so my decision, it'll be 4 o'clock my time, 1 o'clock. Uh, you guys this time talking about Eastern time. And it's just you know a lot to lead you to believe that Michigan is the school, whether it's the relationship with Giles, the relationship with with Gaddis, the you know, the the time of his announcement and making sure that we know it's with you know the the Eastern time zone. Uh, you know, all of that plays really well for Michigan. But the the speed portion of it, Bryce, you look back, Roman Wilson, 1068. You look back AJ Henning, 1073. Now you add 1055 as a sophomore in Xavier Worthy. I can't think of a receiver group in recent memory at the University of Michigan that has that kind of speed. You might have one guy here. I mean, there's there's gonna be a Donovan Peoples Jones. There's gonna be a uh, you know, a Mario Manningham, there's gonna be a Braylon Edwards, but Three guys, all that are around 10-7 or sub-10-700 meter. I, I just It's been decades since we've seen something like that. Well, Josh Gaddis did want speed and space, and he's delivering on that front. He's bringing guys that are not only good track athletes, but they're just good football players as well. They're going to be able to stretch the field, open the field. It's going to open up the playbook. It's going to open up a lot for – at the quarterback for the running back for everyone and so this offense is going to become more dynamic more explosive and they're going to get the ball around which is very intriguing very attractive to these guys like worthy 
I'm looking at this wide receiver class they got going right now. If they were to add Worthy, you would have Marcus Allen, who's a big possession wide receiver, big, tall, physical, wide out. You got Christian Dixon, another California kid. Everyone refers to him as a dog. He's got that dog in him. He's not afraid of any DB lining up against him. He's a great guy to put on the outside as well. And then if you were to get worthy, you put in that slot. And at that point, you're, you're picking who, who do we defend? Who do we choose at that point? Because, you know, and so I look at it as like making something, you know, you got to have every ingredient. Right now, they got every ingredient for that perfect recipe or that perfect cake. So Josh Geddes doing a really good job in all these recruitments. And he's making a difference in just year two. We were just talking about the receiver groups. I think that Xavier Worthy, just to amp him up a little bit more, 10-5-5 as a sophomore, you guys realize, because you cover, you realize how fast that is. But if you sort of put that in the context of fast guys in Michigan history, I think that Denard's fastest time was like 10-4 something. Uh, and, And when you look back at at Tyrone Wheatley, and I, I tweeted about this the other day uh, because, you know, someone brought up uh, Wheat, and Wheat is still, let me make this clear, Tyrone Wheatley <laughs> is the the best athlete I've ever seen come through the doors of, of Michigan football, and I only go back, you know, 30 years or so uh, in it with, with good memory, uh, but there's just, there's there's no peer when you think about Tyrone Wheatley, who at 225 pounds was a 10 5, 900 meter guy in high school, he was 10 4, 6, I think, in the, in the Big Ten finals. He ran 10 3, 6 at Michigan as well. So you're talking about arguably the best Michigan football athlete in the last 30, 40 years. And that was what he ran in his time at Michigan, 10-3-6. This kid is running 10-5-5 as a sophomore. Guys, it, it just that's that's freaky, unbelievable speed. And he here's the thing. He's not physically filled out yet. So once he gets in a strength and conditioning program with a nutritionist as well and packs on the muscle, he's gonna get faster and more explosive, I think that's why the excitement is so pronounced. And you can say the same thing about a guy like Roman Wilson, who's still thin. Uh, but these guys are, are, are going to get faster, uh, and they're going to be some of the fastest guys to ever lace them up at the University of Michigan. That's the kind of speed that you know Josh Gaddis was looking for and the kind of speed that we just haven't seen here in Ann Arbor. Certainly not together, but even individually – when you talk about Xavier Worthy, if they get him, that we haven't seen around here in some time. So definitely a guy that there is great reason for excitement for. And it's the reason why Steve has been saying, Steve, you've been saying he's he's a five-star caliber. And a lot of and you were saying that even when it was looking like it was Oregon. So it's this is not new. It's not just a matter of Michigan looking good for him now. So we're talking him up. We were talking like this when it looked like Oregon was was gonna get him. Now, whatever Oregon did. And I really feel like something happened where it is something there was some recruiting fumble on their part that Michigan scooped up and and ran with. And I think they're going to get them come Friday. So time will tell on that. But here's an interesting thing, guys. So Donovan, Donovan Edwards is really looking hard at how the schools that are courting him, how they're doing on the recruiting trail. Now, you look at Oklahoma, they just picked up a massive commitment, right? Yep. Massive commitment. Big-time quarterback. Number one quarterback. Uh, and Caleb Williams, it, it, it is just – it's it's one of those things that when you talk about an eye-catching moment, they have it. I'd argue that if Michigan gets Xavier Worthy, this is this is one of those, those big booms that they can throw because they already have the quarterback in, in the class, and he knows J.J., but I think Xavier Worthy could be – that kind of lure, that kind of make that same kind of impression upon him, upon Donovan, if, if Michigan is able to pick up Xavier. So one thing I was kind of wondering, you know, because, yeah, Caleb Williams, a huge commitment, and, and J.J. obviously has been working on Donovan for a while along with the rest of the staff. And, you know, if 
Donovan's a guy we we've talked about a few times as a guy I think wants to make an instant impact. Is Michigan talking about maybe like their 19 class they brought in up front, right? Because like, because you could look at uh, Geo, some of these other guys they brought in in 21. But if he's an instant impact guy, he might not play with some of these old like the old linemen. Let's say for instance, mm-hmm. right? I'm interested. I was more. I've been interested to see if like Michigan's saying, hey, we've got studs on. You know, we have two units full of guys now up front that are going to block for you. So even if say uh, Mayfield is gone when you're a true freshman, we're, we got a top 100 guy or we have a force, you know, we have a guy we feel really good about that's coming in behind him, you know, so that it's not, it's a sort of a combination of the, you know, yeah. Feeling good about the guys you're bringing in with you, but also maybe more so the guys you're actually going to be playing with. If you are going to be a guy who comes in right away and makes an impact. So, uh, but worthy yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, top guy for them. Michigan's probably already told him that well before, maybe back when he was in 86 or 87, you know, when they first offered him, has been telling other kids that this is their top guy at receiver. This is a guy we want to build our class around, take a look at his film, watch him, uh, see how he performs. You know, and, and with Donovan, you know, I, I don't know. I just think Michigan has played this recruitment about as well as you could at this point, given how he has approached it himself, mm-hmm. you know, and that Michigan's approach as far as the kind of, you know, like I said, I think it was something we talked about before with the Theo Johnson thing last cycle where Michigan's laid back approach. Yeah. They didn't get him, but it's what kept him in the race. I think that same patient uh, measured approach with him has paid off. Big time, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and one of the things I think you guys, you know, we've done this long enough is like when there's one school that's always there and then you keep hearing about, you know, like a second or third school. Cause you know, for a long time, it's been Michigan or Georgia. Now we hear about Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, but who's the constant that stuff to me, history, history. I'm going only off history here, not guaranteeing crap, but going off history, you know, usually means that one school that's a constant, a lot of times, you know, it, it usually means good things for them. And, and you got to remember, too, with Oklahoma, especially uh, Kamar Wheaton mm-hmm. is a guy that Oklahoma, I would argue that Wheaton's got to be their number one guy at back. I don't would not say for sure. I mean, I don't have their board in front of me, but but Oklahoma has been connected to Kamar Wheaton for months. Um, not that they haven't been involved with Edwards. Obviously, they have. But, you know, Wheaton is a guy I think we've heard more about with the Sooners. And a guy, obviously, closer proximity, I'm guessing he's been there. I don't know for sure if he's been there or not, but I'm assuming he has at some point. Uh, you know. So, again, there you go. I mean, but with Michigan, they've kind of stayed the course as far as who that top guy is, why you're the top guy, this is what we'll use you for, that type of deal. So Yeah, Bryce, it's, you know, listening to Steve talk about presenting the offensive lineman, it, it really made me think of, of Ed Warner and the job that he's done recruiting offensive lineman it's been impressive I mean you look at these last couple of cycles and we'll see how the things close out this year uh with you know, Rocco obviously being the number one guy left on the board for for them but Ed Warner when I say it's a whole staff at effort with Donovan Edwards you know I'm talking Jim Harbaugh Jay Harbaugh of course is the running backs coach Jerome Moore as the as the area the in-state recruiter uh, Josh Gaddis, who was the offensive coordinator and receiver coach, who was presenting the receiver plan, but Ed Warner is talking to him like is talking to him like once a week, or you know, certainly consistently as well. Ed Warner is involved in Donovan Edwards' recruitment as well with this with this very message from what I can glean and talking to the folks over at West Bloomfield. He's always dropping, "Hey, look at these guys! I have, I have, I'm going to have blocking for you if you come to Michigan." Well, I mean, that's a big thing. A running back, he looks at the linemen blocking for him. And obviously, Ed Warner's done a great job with finding linemen in state and across the country that not only can block, but they can do much more than that. So he's been vital in this recruitment. Jerome Moore's been vital in this recruitment. Josh Geddes has been vital in this recruitment. 
I think Jim Harbaugh, obviously, but I think he was also, again, going all the way back, talking about how they've been consistent, like Steve has been saying in this recruitment. He was the first head coach in the school, I think, for the winner evaluation. And then afterwards, I think then you saw like Ryan Day and a couple of the other and people are said, where's Jim Harbaugh? Where's, you know, and it's like he was first there, you know, and then you saw Jay Harbaugh come through and stuff like that. So great players want to play with great other great players. And so I think going back to Worthy, if they were to get Worthy, that's just another feather in their cap that they can, you know, say, hey, look, it's not just you coming here. It's not just the Donovan Edwards show. And I know you might love that, but we're not going to put all the pressure on your back. So you're not going to be expected. If you can't live up to doing all this, don't worry. We got J.J. McCarthy, a five-star quarterback. We got Xavier Worthy, a top 100 wideout. And we got a couple other guys. So that's also a nice perk for them looking at it that way. And um. I, I think with that laid back approach in the recruiting process, I think that is hitting a lot of guys well, especially for this cycle, because I think some of these guys, they can either take two approaches, rush, you know, really fast or take their time. I think a lot of these guys are taking their time. And with Michigan's mindset and approach with a lot of them, letting them take their time is paying off. And they're okay. If you want to speed up like worthy, they're not, they're not saying no to that. So it's a win-win. Yeah, no, you, you go as fast as you want to. Is that worthy? For sure. You go there. <laughs> but this, you know what I, it, it brings up another point. Uh, and I want to thank Steve for this because you know, recruiting often is about a- adjusting. Just like in anything that you do, it's not like you do it perfectly every step of the way. How do you adjust? How do you adapt to bumps in the road? And when you think back on some past recruiting cycles and some some big moments of adjustment, when they got Aubrey Solomon, for instance, and we've talked about it before, now Aubrey Solomon has since transferred, but still, that they even got a commitment from him after the the video debacle where he says, F Michigan on the video, and there were so many fans like, oh, it's done, it's over, forget that guy, screw that guy. And I remember coming on, on the message board because it was like the that night I had heard that he had talked to Michigan, that he had talked to Chris Partridge, that he had apologized, and he had said, I want to come to Michigan. And I talked to his coach about it, and he said, hey, he's going to Michigan. And so I remember telling people, like, hold up, because they didn't react to it like the fans did. Same thing with Daxton Hill, who he, we've gone over before. He flips his commitment to Bama, and they don't, they don't go all, you know, ape crap on him. They just say, hey, we hope you, you you come back around. Now, one of the key elements in that was Chris Partridge. He left, but Sharon Moore was a part of that that response to, to Daxton Hill. And then you see a, sim, a similar sort of nimbleness in this recruiting cycle in the case of Donovan Edwards. Guys, he was leaning to Ohio State pretty strongly. Uh, and they were able to withstand that. You really saw uh, their recruiting sort of pitch be modified it really morphed into this whole staff thing i talked a lot to ron bellamy about it really praised them for their recovery so i gotta ask you specifically about michigan real quick uh, because i know you you do your part to take that hat off Mm -hmm. but you also are intimately aware of their how they recruit yeah so what's different because it really you know in the it seems like things have shot up Things have improved dramatically over the past four or five months. So what's different? What did they do different? How did they adjust? How did they adapt? Well, you know, it's like uh, it's like the pretty girl in school. Everybody wants to get the pretty girl in school, but some people don't know how to shoot their shot. So once you let everybody shoot their shot, and then there's the one guy who comes in afterwards, you know, after everyone has, has made their sales pitch, and they come in behind and, and they're a little aggressive. But, uh, but the, the aggression with it is more or less, it's calculated, I should say. And when I say calculated, it means it's not everything about football, and you're getting a little bit from everybody on the staff. You know, uh, kids want to feel wanted, you know, and, and that's the biggest thing. You don't have to call them all the time, but to hear different voices, see different faces with the voices, that means a lot to these kids. And I think that's, uh, they've done a great job in that regard. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. 
The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I think that that's also evident in the Xavier Worthy commitment or the Xavier Worthy recruitment, guys, because, again, looking like he's going to go to Oregon, and yet, as we said on the message board, this is a guy that they're going to recruit until the bell, especially in light of the circumstances of him not taking visits. But this is, this is what recruiting often is, how you adapt when things aren't going well. You guys would agree? You know, I feel like that this – virus situation the pandemic situation as far as strictly from a recruiting standpoint i almost kind of feel like michigan has learned a little bit about themselves as a staff and how to maybe recruit a little more effect i almost feel like they've turned this into an advantage in a lot of ways as far as their approach and and how you know i feel like they've done a really good job of balancing the aggressiveness with the you know, that laid back sort of deal. I, I almost want to say to an extent, you know, sometimes it, it felt like the latter more often maybe than you'd wanted it to be in some recruitments. Because, I mean, a lot of times, you know, these are guys that a lot of these guys, especially the tip top guys, I mean, they want to be chased a little bit. I mean, they want to know who wants, who really, really wants me to, to come play for them. And, you know, now with Edwards, we talked about it's been, it's weirdly kind of been a mix where they've, yeah, like the whole staff is involved, but they've also been very measured in how they've approached it. I just, I kind of feel like in a way, uh, this pandemic has actually made Michigan uh, more effective on the recruiting trail because I think they've kind of learned to fine tune, uh, you know, so, or, or maybe, uh, you know, dot some of the I's and cross some of the T's, I guess, a little bit of some, some of the things that maybe fans – we're critical of stuff that we maybe saw too. Uh, you know, we talk, you know, we talk about the in-state stuff right now, things, the way things are going to in-state Michigan made finally shut that narrative down. Uh, if things finish the way we think they can and just the aggressiveness, we talk about the younger guys where all of a sudden you're here in Michigan as being like one of the schools that are just recruiting like a sophomore class harder than they usually do. Usually it's like, we have to wait till junior year to hear who Michigan's really going after, you know, but now we got like a guy like Damani Jackson where it's like, okay, you know, Michigan is all in there already where it's like, it used to be, Hey, they should be, <laughs> they should be all in on this guy, but he's hearing from like six or seven other schools, uh, you know, a lot more. So uh, it's, it's been a fascinating process in that regard. And, and I think I, I actually give Michigan a lot of credit, I think for the way that they've kind of approached, you know, the thing as a whole and uh, looks like they're in a position to make it pay off. You know, we'll see with obviously we see with worthy, uh, but with guys like Edwards and, and, and Rocco Spindler at some point too, um, you know, as far as how they can kind of pull this off and finish it out. So Bryce, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, because we we know that they're recruiting several 2022s hard, but still some I's to dot and T's to cross in the 2021 class in the defensive backfield at the safety spot. So we've seen some guys fall off the board. Who is Michigan really still chasing at the safety position? Obviously, right now, their top target outs in the back end at, for safety is Damonette. Uh, David, he's a 6'1", 172-pound safety from Maryland. Michigan kind of jumped in that recruitment a little late, kind of in May. Um, but just again, like Steve was saying, they have been on him real quickly. Once they offered him, they jumped on him. They've been contacting him daily, frequently, talking to him. Jim Harbaugh, the whole, a lot of the staff has been talking to him. And quickly, they made his top six, which is Miami, Indiana, Louisville, Boston College, and Oklahoma. I'm hearing right now it's looking like Oklahoma, Boston College, and Michigan towards the top end of that list. And he's a guy, you know, when you look at his profile, you're going to see like he's in the 
one of the top 1,000 players, and you're like, oh, man, this is a low three-star. Here we go all over again. But you watch the film, and I want to say the the second or third play, he destroys the kid. I mean, he flies in like a heat-seeking missile, and he destroys the kid. And so this kid can run. He can tackle. He can go sideline to sideline, and he's the guy you would love in the back end of the defense. But at the same time, he's a luxury at this point for Michigan, in my opinion. I think the coaches are thinking that, too, because of how well they recruited the safety position over the last few cycles. I mean, just the past one, you got Makari Page, Jordan Morant, and RJ Moan, three guys that are going to contribute and probably play big factors, and they're all top players. So he's not a guy they need, you know, they need to get a safety or anything like that. I personally feel like they need more pure corners, and they are looking at more corners. They're also looking at Swiss Army Knife type of guys like Kamante Grimes from Florida, who we've touched on here and there on the podcast. So David is definitely a guy they really like. Oklahoma's in there. Boston College is in there. And from there, they're going to try to get him on campus. But obviously, this is a guy that if they can steal from the DMV, they would love to. Yeah, he is He is really – this is another guy that, that seems to uh, – you know, his recruiting profile seems to kind of belie his ranking a bit. He is going to probably rise as as we get more into – as we get into the season, if there is a season, because it really feels like once coaches saw his film, it's like, man, it's been the floodgates have, have opened. You know, the Boston College, you got Azar Abdurrahim, who is from the DMV. I remember talking to him when he was at Friendship Collegiate, that one of those uh, one of those charter schools down there in D.C., uh, and really is just a, a, a fixture, a recruiting fixture down there. So he gives B.C. some traction that folks are wondering, how could B.C. be in there with these other schools? Well, that's why, but... You know, Miami, the way Miami got on him. So Ed Reed saw the kid's film. So this is why I say he he's going to shoot up. Ed Reed saw his film. Now, Ed Reed's a Baltimore Raven guy, so this is why Ed Reed sees him. He, see, he sends the film to Miami, and he's like, look, look at this kid. He's a ball player up here in, in Maryland. And, and so the Miami coaches are like, man, Ed Reed is recommending this kid. We better get on him. And, and of course, that has them heavily in the mix. As far as Oklahoma is concerned, I, it's, it's Oklahoma, right? I guess, Steve, if it's, if it's me, I, you know, obviously never been in a position to play defensive back on any level. But let's, <laughs> let's say, for the sake of our argument, that I was a college-ready, a college-able defensive back, and I could choose between going to play in the Big 12 or the Big 10, Guess where I'm not going, Steve? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I, mean, what, man. I think I, I think we went over the. I think this was something discussed on the board when uh, discussing Prophet Brown and how Oklahoma was recruiting him at corner. And I think that Oklahoma's had one corner drafted in the last like 12 years or something like that. It was some crazy stat. Even for as bad as the Big 12 defenses normally are, for a school as prestigious as Oklahoma to produce such minimal uh pro defensive backs. I mean, everything you think of Roy Williams, but that was like I mean I feel like I was a kid. Ago, right? Roy Williams was like doing stuff in the league. Right. You know, so it's uh you know my thing is with David and his ranking is uh we just need to hope that none of no Michigan assistants talk to any evaluators on a podcast about it because uh might not help his ranking very much. But uh I I agree in that uh he needs he run run support he's amazing. You don't see a lot of his coverage ability on film. That's a one thing. But even then, though, he looks athletic enough to where, like Bryce said, this is a guy, you know, because I think Rod Moore is already more of a much a very sure thing, even where he's ranked. I think he's a guy's a legit four-star guy. Whether David is a four-star or not, which I think you could argue he is, even then, with what they've done at safety, this is the kind of guy you take if you're going to take a second one. This is the kind of guy you take to supplement what you've already brought in. I agree. I high, agree. Yeah, this is a high ceiling. I don't want to, I don't like using boomer bust because that sounds a little like negative on the bust end, but I'm saying like this is a guy who could be a stud if you yeah. bring him in, develop him properly. You know, and Shoops had a long track record of developing top flight defensive backs. Uh, the kind of guy that if they met, you know, safety is still a spot 
where at least eval wise and so far recruiting wise, because he's been a lot more aggressive than I think his reputation preceded him, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're going off the strictly off the recruiting ranking numbers and stuff from him at Mississippi State and maybe even at Penn State. Uh, but from an eval po- standpoint, you know, he's he's a guy who I think his evals should easily be respected. Couple that with people like us watching it and saying, hey, this guy's better than a, <laughs> an 87 or an 88 or whatever. Uh, but this would be a perfect supplement for them. Um, I'm with Bryce as far as maybe leaning more towards corner, mm-hmm. but I can see why they're going all in on this one because, I think again, I think this would be a situation where, you know, if you're them, you got to think, hey, you know what? We take another guy who could turn out to be a stud, then safety could be set for like the next five years right now if we get if we hit on this last, you know, top target that we're going after here, we could, we could have safety could be solidified at Michigan for the foreseeable future. Yeah, and think about it. I mean, this, this plays into guys, the, the versatility that they have at their disposal with some of the safety slash Viper slash linebackers. So think about a guy like William, not AKA Apache Mohan, right now, if, he could get bigger and he could wind up sliding inside. He could be a will. He could be a, a, a micro will down the line, right? So maybe, maybe uh, Damon David, maybe he winds up, if it's not safety, maybe he winds up being Viper. The kid said he's up to 6'2 now. Uh, so you, you love to have these interchangeable pieces that could wind up at different positions because you can, the way that Don Brown is so multiple. Uh, you know, you've seen him come out with his odd stack defense where he can put a lot of these guys on the field at the same time together. It, having another guy like this in the fold, it allows you, even if it even if it didn't work out at safety, it still allows you to find a home for him. So I think it's a it, it's a win win all the way. Uh, Talk to Brian Doan about it. He thinks it's probably Oklahoma and Boston College out front for him uh, at the moment. What I'd say is. This is another one you're going to see Michigan continue to recruit because the kid is adamant. He is adamant that no matter who he commits to, he will take his visits. And he is 100% clear that he will visit Michigan. So uh, even if he commits somewhere else here in the not-too-distant future, this is one that Michigan is still going to be in play for uh, before all is said and done. So. You know, we'll see. But I'm, I'm curious. So you guys, you know, Steve, we, uh, Bryce just kind of alluded to this, the safety versus corner recruiting dynamic. How many corners do you take versus how many safeties you already have? Like, you know, at, at what point do you need to say, hey, all right, we got to focus on on corner here. Is that an immediate thing for this cycle or do you can you push it to next cycle? How do you kind of see that one land at this point? Well, it's a great question when you consider how stacked 22 looks at the cornerback position, right? Like how they could balance it. Cause what you, I guess what you don't want to do is load up too heavy in 21 and lose your pitch or lose a potential pitch, you know, with a Damani Jackson. I mean, a Damani Jackson or a Will Johnson, those guys are guys who are going to, you know, they're going to go where they want because they're probably going to beat out. Like they're going to beat out somebody ahead of them at some point, you know, whether it's first year, second year. Uh, but you look at guys like Jaden Gould, who, you know, I think it was Doan about three weeks ago. It was like the super positive report uh, right. as far as Michigan went, where it's like, hey, like they might have a. You, you think when Partridge and Campanile leave Bergen Catholic, okay, well, that'll go back to being an uphill battle. But that, that report was super positive about where Michigan stood. So I think that might be the biggest thing, you know, as far as like they got to figure out a way to kind of balance, uh, you know, stockpiling as many guys who can cover as you can without sacrificing your chances, you know, with some elite guys and some younger classes. I've just always been of the school, you know, as many, especially with the way Don Brown calls his defense is like you got to, I think you got to get as many guys that can cover as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at what they, we talk about, we just talk about what they've done at safety, you know, where it kind of feels like, you know, maybe lean more towards some pure coverage guys, you know, cause you seem to have a lot of versatility between that, between Viper and the safety spot. 
where you, you know, you can move some guys around or some guys may shift elsewhere. You know, it's where I, I kind of lean more towards, uh, you know, try to stack up at corner a little bit. You know, you got McBurrows. We'll see. It sounds like they're still really pushing for Sierra, right? Uh, I know uh, Tyreek Chapel or Chappelle. Oh crap! Don't, <laughs> let don't, don't let him. Don't let him hear this. Uh, <laughs> that was an honest mistake. Right. Uh, committed a committed A and M yesterday, but we know yeah. Michigan's going to stay right the course there. You know to see them p- pick up a couple more of those types of guys. So uh, that's where I'm at. You know, but but that's more based on you know because you could at the same time you could say you know, people may be a little too hard on their corner recruiting. Selden was an All-American. Green Warren was an All-American. It's not as if they're like not getting guys at corner either. Uh, I guess I just lean more towards getting as many coverage guys as you can with the with knowing that you know Don Brown loves to put a lot of pressure on his guys to cover in man-to-man type situations. Right. You, but you you raise a point, and it made me think of a conversation I just had with Will Johnson. And this story is going up on themichiganinsider.com tonight, as a matter of fact. So by the time you you know hear this podcast, this story will already be up. But I was talking to Will about looking at the recruiting classes. And I said, hey, are you paying attention to what, you know, what how the schools are doing? I, I wasn't it wasn't even a question about corners per se. Like are you looking at the corners that they're taking? It was a question about the quality of the recruiting class. Are you are you hyped up by you know, the the top 10 recruiting classes was kind of the angle that I was shooting for. And he mentioned, yeah, you know, I kind of kind of hear that Ohio State, they take a lot of DBs. They take a lot of corners and some people don't like that. And he said, well, but it's, it's a little early. So, I, you know, I'm not even thinking about how the recruiting classes are going to uh, play out yet. And so what it said to me, though was that he's looking at the corners <laughs> that, sure, that these schools absolutely. that these schools are taking. Not to say that he's afraid of competition, but you know, there are only so many, you know, I mean so many guys that are gonna play at the same time uh, at that position. And so he's paying attention to that. And it what you said about not ruining your pitch or not lessening, not ruining, not lessening your pitch is I think a key point here when you talk about how things might play out on their in the recruiting cycle this year, Bryce, because I mean, you can afford to, to keep recruiting some of the guys that are, you don't have to expand your board is the point. You, you don't need to go chasing a bunch of other guys because they, they seem to be in really good shape in 2022 corner recruiting. I think, you know, when looking at 2021 defensive, just back recruiting in general, I think obviously I would personally, towards go lean towards taking more like a pure corner or two or maybe again that swiss army type knife sort of player they're looking at ryan barnes he went on to go to notre dame and obviously you know Kamate grimes but we will look at also 2022 safety recruiting you have miles rouser who i know he's not committed to michigan at this moment but he previously was and obviously he's got great ties to michigan with his brother there and formally you know being an in-state prospect so I think looking at the 2022 class yeah they're on a lot of big names I if you don't like what you like in 2021 I don't think they have to really push and have to take any guys just to take guys for numbers I think they are good with their numbers at both corner and safety and if you want to shoot for the stars in 2022 you've already laid down the groundwork with a lot of these guys and so you can, and realistically, they're looking good for quite a few of them too. So I would lean towards more, I wouldn't say again, banking these, but if you don't get like a Damon David, I don't know if I would really reach for another guy, you know, unless they don't like what they got in the cupboard, but I'm looking at the China in there. It's fine China. So it looks <laughs> right. good to me. So Well, and remember, re- remember, we covered this already. And, and you had the story on this, Bryce, but Iman Dennis switched the corner. Uh, and they are really, really excited about what Iman Dennis could could be there. Uh, and I think the kid really sees the opportunity because I, I talked to him on signing day. He was adamant he was going to play receiver. Adamant. I mean, it was like, don't even talk to me about corner. And he must have seen the, a clearer path to playing time, a, clearing, uh, a clearer path to – to getting on the field, uh, you know, quicker at at DB at corner, and then when you throw in there, 
I, I think the kid ran faster than than they thought he was going to run. I mean, four three seven. I, I just he was the fastest of the of the incoming freshmen that they that they tested here upon their return. So, guys, I I think that that maybe is something else that kind of kind of plays into the thought process when it comes to the urgency with with corners in this class. Yes, you still recruit the guys that are, you know, that are on your board, Tyreek Chappelle, uh, for instance, all the guys that, that Steve mentioned also, but you don't have to go trying to scrounge up guys, try, trying to round up guys to add to the board out of desperation because you do have Iman Dennis that you flipped over and you are looking really, really good. Uh, in the next class, in the 2022 class. I, guys, before we get out of here, we spent so much time on 2022 recruiting last week, Bryce, and we didn't cover quarterbacks. And so, you know, it obviously, you're looking to take a quarterback in, in every class. And, and, Steve, there was a guy we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, really in relation to another recruitment. Uh, that is a prime guy in the 2022 class uh, at the quarterback position, and that's MJ Morris. Right. So wants to play baseball. I think Bryce mentioned with uh, friends with Jaden Thomas, receiver target out of Atlanta. You know the thing with Morris, and I believe we'll mention Malik Murphy here too. Uh, Michigan in a position after getting McCarthy to go after the national guys at this point in the cycle, right? I mean, there's zero reason to dig deep at this point. I know they really loved Ty Simpson. I would argue Ty Simpson was their top target on the board. Doesn't sound like he's interested in Michigan, or at least that interested. I mean, everything I've seen, I know uh, Keith Niebuhr, our uh, Auburn guy, has done a few interviews with him in Michigan, not mentioned. Even though I want to say Harbaugh offered him when he was in eighth, I think he was the eighth grade offer that they made. Uh, They offered him a long, long time ago. But, you know, moving, I guess, moving down the board, but you got Morris and Murphy who look like top 100 guys. Morris seems wide open to me. I followed that from a bird's eye view, I I suppose, uh, kept up on his recruitment a little bit. Just seems very wide open right now, as it should be, though, uh, for a kid of his caliber. He's got all the offers he's gotten stuff. Uh, But he looks more like a legit dual threat kind of guy a guy that I think fits really well into Gaddis as well. Murphy, maybe more of a pro style kind of guy. I mean, I guess, I don't know. It feels like there's really not much difference between a dual threat and a pro style anymore, I suppose, at least when you get to the elite. You know, most of these guys can scoot when they need to scoot now. So, uh, but Morris, those two guys, I think, you know, as far as like guys who at least seem to have legit interest in Michigan, uh, seem to be the t- the two guys. That's all. And I say the Murphy is off the heels of a uh, Greg Biggins, our West Coast guy, reporting that because Murphy was a guy that I know I tried chasing down a little bit, had never really heard back from. Kind of hard to, you know, learn how interested they are when they don't really tell you. So, <laughs> right. Um, right. so uh, you know, makes sense that they go after him though as a Cali guy. You know, Cali seems very wide open right now for twenty one and twenty two. So, uh, yeah. Right strategy for Michigan, though. Go after the big big ones right now. Well, how do you think Michigan early on, Bryce, is looking with MJ Morris? I think, actually, they're looking pretty good. I know, like Steve said, you got all the heavy hitters chasing MJ Morris, but Michigan got in there again early in January. They offered him early. Ben McDaniels, the quarterback's coach, and he's a guy, like we've been talking about this communication and sort of Michigan, that aggressive but not too aggressive approach. But Ben McDaniels has been talking to him. When I talked to MJ Morris, he said weekly. He said, I talked to him once a week. He said, I love talking to Ben McDaniels. He likes his personality, his approach. He likes the offense. And he's like, I've been building a good relationship with him. And he said, he was like, you know, if I wasn't a fit for their offense, he wouldn't be recruiting me. So he's like, obviously, they really like me. And he's like, obviously, I really like them. He's big into Michigan baseball. He has taken notice and seen the steps and how far they've gone with that. And that's something that's really intriguing to him. He wants to play baseball at the next level. Michigan, I don't think has offered him that opportunity, but I think that's a conversation Michigan wouldn't mind having with him. If they found out, Hey, this kid wants to play baseball. He's the number two do a threat quarterback in the nation. Number one 
41 overall player in the country for his class. So he's a guy that Michigan's looking good for early on. But, you know, he's going to take his time. He's not going to rush it. But quarterbacks do tend to pop earlier than most, you know, prospects. So, again, he's just another kid they've laid down that foundation with and they have take the early steps for. And he wants to take a visit. He was adamant to me when he talked to me. He said, I want to visit Michigan. I want to see everything they offer. I want to talk to Coach Gaddis. So I think he'd be a good fit in the office, in the offense. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. So you kind of you kind of got a little baseball recruiting in there, Bryce. You gonna you gonna add that to your repertoire here? You gonna get a little versatile, a little versatile, some versatility, recruiting versatility for us on the podcast. Start start talking some ba- uh, some baseball recruiting too. You can listen. You can put me on any beat. And I will dominate that beat. I don't care if it's whatever, badminton, chess. I will find the five stars, why Michigan's looking for them, what they think about Michigan, everything. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, I I, I know it may be it may be an audience of one. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can listen to Bryce Barrett all day. <laughs> I really could because I get a kick out of my man. Uh, just like I have a blast with this uh, with this podcast, uh, guys. So here's the thing: Have you guys heard of? I, you know, I'm trying to think of a of a basketball, football, dual sport guy. I think the only guy I could think of that did it was Kelvin Grady. Can you guys think of any other guys at Michigan or at, period at, at Michigan? Oh, Ooh. I was gonna say because I always think of Matt Trannon because he never really turned out to be any good in, in either one. Um, <laughs> yeah, going hard after a Flint guy at that. You know, Matt, Michigan, he was, he was, I, I thought he was going to be, I thought he was going to be great, I but I mean, he never really, he never really panned out. He um, didn't, right. I, at Michigan though, ugh, not off the top of my head. Yeah, I can't, I can't. I mean, it, it's been done. I mean, you can think of, of guys, uh, you know, you go down to uh, back to Charlie Ward. You go to North Carolina's had a couple of guys. Ronald Curry was one uh, that that did it. Uh, you know, for for a period of time there, he came out at the same time as Mike Vick as a quarterback, and then a guard, and then the uh, why is the defensive end Julius Peppers was another that that did both. But it is so hard to do. Michigan picked up a commitment on the basketball side of things. For a guy that wears both hats in high school, uh, doesn't look like he's going to be doing that at Michigan, but certainly down the line, if Jim Harbaugh was to go over and, and do a little recruiting on campus, there's definitely a, a big fella uh, that played some tight end in high school. So let's go over to the basketball side of things now and talk Michigan's latest commitment with Josh Hinchke and Brian Snow. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So first, Josh, we'll bring you into the discussion, and we will talk about the crystal ball that you put in this weekend. Obviously, you uh, had a tip. You knew something was about to go down, and it did indeed go down over the weekend with a commitment to Jawan Howard on Sunday. So let's just start off first, though, with you talking about the crystal ball that you put in for Michigan's latest commitment. Yep, I uh, put in a crystal ball uh, over the weekend for uh, 2021 power forward Will Cheddar um, out of Stewartsville, Minnesota. Um, you know, a six-nine quarterback for for Stewartsville uh, High School who, who only lost one game last year. Um, you know, a, a, a very good basketball player in his own right, and and probably you know by the looks of things, a equally um, an equally as talented, uh, football player as well. Um, he, I've learned over the weekend, um, just from, from talking to people that, 
Uh, he turned down Minnesota three times. Um, <laughs> PJ Fleck in Minnesota three times um, to stick as a basketball recruit. Twice they asked him to be a tight end, and he said no. He wants to be a basketball player. And then um, their offensive new offensive coordinator, I can't remember his name at the moment, but he, they, he, had, he had a face-to-face meeting with Will basically pleading for him to be their tight end in the class, and he said no. Um, I also learned that he turned down Mark D'Antonio in Michigan State. Um, I Ooh. don't, I don't know if they wanted him as a tight end or at a quarterback, but I know they wanted him. And he said, "You know, thanks, but no thanks. I want to stick with basketball." So here we are. Um, you know, Michigan has, has been in this is race for a while. I know they've been interested in him for a while, and they've, I think, they offered him about you know one or two months ago. Um, and ever since then, you know, the relationship uh, between Cheddar and, you know, Juwan Howard, Phil Martelli, you know, the regular suitors mm-hmm. um, when, it, when it comes to, you know, Michigan recruitment. It's just the relationship has been strong. I felt strongly coming away from my initial conversation with, with Will the very first time I spoke to him, but I didn't have enough to, to say, you know, to, to really put it out there with, with somewhat of confidence. But over the weekend... Um, I heard a little bit more. I caught back up with, with Will just to kind of see where he was at in terms of, you know, his, his recruitment and things like that. And I heard enough to, to feel even more confidence and which originally put, I, I put in a confidence of six in the crystal ball, which is kind of, I probably should have put it in a little higher, but I wanted to, you know, just, I wanted to be certain you know, with, with crystal balls these days, cause right. you, you never know. We've had our fair share of incidences over the past couple of weeks. And that crystal ball turned out to be right on point, as you would expect. I jumped in right with a crystal ball after you knowing that it was going to go down. And of course it was made official to Juwan Howard and the commitment this weekend. And then announced publicly Monday morning, an early Monday morning tweet from his high school team's account. Uh, and at that point, that's when we reached out to Brian Snow. And now joining us on the Michigan Recruiting Insider Podcast is the best in the game when it comes to basketball recruiting coverage and analysis. And just my guy, my friend Brian Snow. B. Snow, how you doing? I'm good. I mean, I'm a lot better when kids don't commit at 6 in the morning, but I'm good. <laughs> I hear you. Well, it's it's one, though, that we knew would be coming. Uh, Will Cheddar young man out of uh, Stewartville, Minnesota, told us uh, that he was going to be committing to Michigan on Sunday and that the decision he had actually announced it on Tuesday, a little bit earlier than expected uh, as far as the announcement, but not the commitment. So tell us, what is Michigan getting in Will Cheddar? You know, there, it, Will's an interesting case. He certainly can shoot the ball. He's probably, you know, depending on who you talk to, he's between six seven and about six foot nine, and he can really shoot the ball. Uh, he's a big man. Is he a power forward? Is he a center? That's kind of tough to tell right now. Part of it's going to have to do with how his body fills out and develops, but he'll be a pick and pop big guy. He's going to provide skill. He's got a little vertical athleticism around the rim. Then I think he's a tough kid who's going to be willing to rebound his area. So they're, they're getting kind of a mismatch guy at the, in the front court, how exactly he's going to fit in, what role he's going to play. I think that's to be determined, but they're going to use him as someone who can pick and pop, stretch a defense, and be a weapon shooting the ball from beyond the three-point line. So what is it? I mean, it seems like he's one of these guys here in the last five, six weeks whose recruiting has kind of picked up steam just to see the the offer pattern. So he went from basically no high majors to, you know, Nebraska, Minnesota, Michigan, uh, you know, Virginia Tech. I mean, all these schools kind of jumped in here in the last five, six weeks. Have you been, can you pinpoint what it was that, that sort of made these schools kind of all jump in around the same time? Yes, yeah, Sam, it's interesting. When I started researching Will for our uh, 2021 rankings, this was probably April-ish, I started calling around Minnesota. I got a lot of contacts up there, and they told me to watch his film. And at the time, Northern Iowa was the school recruiting him the hardest. <laughs> and uh, but I think what I think what high major saw 
is first of all, they got his high school film. Like we all do. This is how we're all evaluating right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, let me, let me get some high school film. And they just saw kind of a big kid with a, with enough vertical athleticism to, to be effective who can really shoot the ball. And since there's no substitute for being able to shoot the three these days, you know, you look at it, you're like, okay, we're not getting a great evaluation because he doesn't play the best high school competition, but we know he can do this versus all these other kids we're watching on film that we can't see in person. So let, let's hang our hat on the kid with one specific skill that we know will translate. And I think that's what you saw from the high majors. And then, as you know, Sam, these coaches, they're not exactly the most free thinkers in the world. <laughs> when, when one high major offers, more tend to go, oh, crap, that means we got to, and, and they follow. Right. I hear you. Yeah, the, the pattern was it was Arkansas, then Minnesota, then Michigan, then Nebraska, then Virginia Tech, then Iowa, all in the span of, of like five weeks that all those schools kind of kind of came in and you know Michigan like it's going to be a, a pretty big class he strikes me as one of those four-year glue guy types is that the you know maybe the, the the track for him like where in the rankings do you where could he potentially I know where he is in the rankings right now mm-hmm. what's his potential as far as you the know, rankings are concerned it's so hard right now because with Will like I said in the in the, in the last question is he plays, he plays Stewartville, Minnesota. It's, it's outside of Rochester and it plays smaller school competition. So he's always the biggest guy on the court. He's always the most athletic guy on the court. He's always the best guy on the court. So some of the things that you worry about, whether it's lateral movement, whether it's, you know, can he create his own shot, things like that? Well, you know, how will he finish against length? There's just no way to know right now. So in terms of what he could be, if he had a chance this summer to show that, you know, he could be a top 100 type kid because he can really shoot the ball at his size. By that same token, if he went against, you know, the, the, the requisite size and athleticism and he shows he can't do any of that, then he would go down in the rankings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so right now, what I view him as is kind of, if you're expecting him as a freshman when he plays, I think it'll be limited minutes, but he'll be asked to, you know, kind of, they'll have like kind of like a, a special Will Cheddar package. You know, he'll be like the Wildcat quarterback. They got a few plays for him that they're going to run, pick and pops to try to get him threes, and then they're going to put him on the bench so he doesn't give up points on defense. Mm -hmm. I I think that's the reality early in his career. And then what you hope is strength and conditioning program, more experience. You know, sophomore can play in the rotation. Maybe junior, you know, your fifth or sixth, seventh man. And then as a senior, like, okay, good starter for us. I think that's the kind of the career trajectory you're hoping at a school like Michigan for Will Cheddar. All right. So a guy that I know you like, but a, a specific question about him is what's his ranking potential talking about Mr. Isaiah Barnes. It's very, very high. Um, this is a kid over the last 12 months that has gotten infinitely better. Now, right now it's still like, like three or four times a half where you're like, Whoa, Whoa. And then you kind of watch them disappear for the rest of the time. But it's those loud moments, those memorable moments in a game. And you didn't have those a year ago. Now you're starting to get those. So over the next 12 months, does he take the stretch? Does he take that, that, that leap from three or four of those moments a game or a half to five or six a half, seven or eight a half? If he does that, you're talking a top 50 talent because of his size, athleticism, and skill. It's all about consistency right now with Isaiah Barnes. He's a he's a high ceiling, low floor type of kid, mm-hmm. but man, the physical tools that he has to work with are impressive. Yeah, that's exactly the way we described him: high ceiling, low floor. Uh, really, uh, a matter of consistency uh, with him to see whether or not he really maximizes his potential. Another guy, real quick, that you talked about uh, recently, and we've covered on the podcast. A lot of people dismissed Michigan as just not a factor at all. Seems like at the very least they're in it with Trevor Keel. Is that the impression you got? Yeah, you know, talking to Trevor, he he's someone I as stupid as this is to say with it being July before his senior year, I don't think he's super far in the process yet. I think he wants to make official visits. No one's gonna pressure him. Um yet, while his recruitment's busy, it's not overwhelming him. He's got, you know, comes from a great family, great AAU program, great high school program. They they can handle it. So 
the schools, the two schools you, you hear the most are Virginia and Villanova, but that doesn't mean those are the only two schools or, or even that those are the leaders. Those are just kind of like, you know, when you talk to people around the DMV, like if you had to guess, like, well, I guess I kind of go with Virginia or Villanova, but Michigan's in there. They've done a good job. He's friends with Terrence Williams, Hunter Dickinson, who are coming to Michigan this year. So Michigan's really in there for him. Uh, North Carolina and Duke, it, it's not going to be an easy recruitment. Right. This is a kid who's gotten elite grades. He's a great player, but he doesn't really project as a one-and-done player. So he's kind of the perfect college basketball recruit, which means it's not going to be easy, and it's not supposed to be easy. Right. But Michigan's right in there. <laughs> it's exactly the right way to put it. You're going to you know, recruit with the big dogs. It's going to be hard to land those guys, and that's what Jawan Howard is looking to do. <laughs> Uh, but B. Snow, you were the man for the job, man. Appreciate you taking the time out to evaluate Michigan's recent commitments and look ahead to another one that is very much on the radar. That that reminds me, though, this is one one more. I got to throw one more at you. What do you well, think? Now of, you're lying to me. <laughs> yeah, lying I know. I know me. I'm lying to you. What do you think of Jalen Worley? Love him. Absolutely love this kid's game. Um, he is someone I know for sure Michigan is really involved with. Uh, he, he's a point guard, kind of a combo guard, but he really plays with the ball in his hands. So he's not the traditional, you know, John Stockton, you know, dime him up every time point guard, but he's a guy who plays with the ball in his hands, who can distribute and score. He's a good athlete, not an overwhelming one, but he just knows how to score, knows how to play, knows how to lead, always makes the right play at the right time. Got good size, can guard multiple positions. He is someone who took a huge step forward as a junior, a great kid off the court, great student. Um, and as I told you, Sam, Michigan is really involved here. A few sources very close to the situation. And they've told me that the Wolverines are very, very involved. Um, another one, this kid's going to make visits. I can't see him deciding anytime soon, mostly because I don't see visits happening anytime mm -hmm, soon. Mm -hmm. So, but Michigan is right in there with Jalen Borley. Mm -hmm. There you go. Beast. No, as always, man, appreciate your time. Thank you. That is going to wrap up this Week's version of the Michigan Insider, this week's edition of the Michigan Insider, I should say, because Josh, you got to get off on vacation, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. My, my staycation away from COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, definitely stay safe out there, but a well-deserved vacation uh, from the Michigan Insider. But you know, we got a great team. We'll keep it, keep it going. You want to keep this podcast going. And all you need to do is wherever you uh, get this podcast, be sure to subscribe to it. Be sure to rate and review it. Love those five-star ratings. That's how we keep this podcast strong uh, and growing and moving on to bigger and better episodes uh, down the line. So that is episode eight in the books. Great job, Josh Kinski. Have a great vacation. And the rest of you folks, we'll see you next week here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Chilling new original docu-series on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve dollars and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.